We are in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, very uh, familiar section of scripture uh, about the old fiery furnace. And uh, I want to kind of march down through the scripture here for, uh, for our reading. I just want to do the first six verses, but as we go through and recount um, this particular instance in the scriptures uh, we're going to just march down through let's uh, let's stand in God's honor if you have your Bibles open Daniel chapter 3 verses 1 through 6 King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of God 90 feet high and nine feet wide set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon he then summoned the satraps prefects Governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of God that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Let's pray. Master, as we come to you, Father, there are some here that feel the heat, some type of furnace, some type of struggle, Lord. And we're reminded as we look at Daniel's three friends and their faithfulness to you that there's a way through the fire. And Father, we just trust you in that. Pray you guide us in this message that you will be glorified and honored. And that as we leave here, we'll say we worship him today. That's always our hearts, God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The chapter opens up and we find King Nebuchadnezzar building this statue of gold. We don't know exactly how much time has passed from chapter 2 to chapter 3. Some of the Greek and Latin works give an indication that 16 years had passed. But the original languages, original text doesn't tell us exactly that. But we do know that there is an amount of time that has passed. King Nebuchadnezzar still waiting for the prophecy to be fulfilled. And, well, he just becomes impatient. And so he decides, hey, you know, I am the head of gold. And so I deserve a statue in honor of me. And so he erects this statue. And then he has the idea, everyone must worship me. And so he sends out that message through the land. Everybody must bow down before this statue or else there's going to be some pretty heavy consequences. And as we come to our section of Scripture, um, we find out that there are three guys that end up in the furnace. You know, I thought about 
Psalm 34, verses 18 through 20, guys, that says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. That that a righteous man, a righteous person, may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all of his bones. Not one of them will be broken. And You know, what a beautiful section of Scripture that tells us, hey, the Lord, if you're crushed in spirit, if you're broken hearted, and you cry and have just a heavy heart, that God's there, man, he's close, he's near And I wish we could say that, man, he just zaps away all that pain. And that when we run to him, that there's no more struggle. That there's no more pain. And yet we know that that's not true. That's not how life works until we're in heaven. There's struggles. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3 and going down through verse 7. Praise be. To the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. From the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Kept in heaven for you. Who through faith are shielded by God's power. Until the salvation that is ready to be revealed. The last time in this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief and all kinds of trials these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may be proved genuine and may result in praise glory and honor when jesus christ is revealed so what is he saying here he's saying praise be to god that he's given us new birth that he's Received us into his family and that we're God's children through the work of Jesus Christ. And what a glorious thing that is. But he says, hey, that doesn't mean that we're trouble free. He mentions that although there is a heaven guaranteed, that he has set aside a place for us of rest, a place that's safe, that won't perish, spoil, or fade. He said, right now, there's struggles. And so we remember him as we go through those struggles. Matter of fact, there in verse 7, he calls it a, a, a refiner, a, re, a refining fire. There's a difficulty there. And we understand, you know, man, about struggle and pain. We get that. But what's even more difficult is when you suffer because of something that's right. Yeah, you know, it's one thing, man, if you do something wrong and you hurt somebody's feelings. You do something um, that causes a pain to somebody else. We suffer there. But what happens when we suffer because we do what's right? We stand up for God. Well, you go over to chapter 2 in First Peter. and Just a couple of verses starting at verse 18 through 21. He says, Slaves... Uh, Mitch yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he's conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you are called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow 
in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Suffering for doing what's right. And this chapter is a great example of this. We have three young men who love God. And they've made a decision that they're going to do what's right. And boy, were there some consequences as a result. Let's just go back to chapter 3 here and just want to kind of march down here through the chapter as we look at this account that's so familiar to us, but certainly worth looking at new. Sometimes it's good just to read it again as if we haven't read it before. So many of us have heard about the fiery furnace. So let's just read through the account. The king had said, whoever does not fall down and worship, he'll be immediately (laughs) thrown into a blazing furnace. Uh, No waiting game here. No take a number and wait for your turn. You're going to be thrown in as soon as we can throw you in. Verse 7, as soon as they heard, and that lists these instruments. It says all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations of every language. They fell down and they worshiped the image of gold. That Nebuchadnezzar had set up. You know, I just take a minute here as we march down in here and accompanied here in this call to worship this statue made in the image of this king was music. Man, music is powerful, isn't it? Music has a way of grabbing hold of our emotions, it can bring tears to our eyes, it can bring tears of sadness, tears of joy, it can, you know, have. Just so many emotions evoked within us. And that's powerful and it has a place. But as you notice here, the music was to prepare a heart to worship an idol, not God. You see, the question is not, is music a blessing? The question is, when God, when those feelings within us well up, are they going toward God? Where, what, is, what is the object that our emotions go to with music? Is it to glorify God or is it something else? In this case, of course, it was something else. And we move down through here. He says, um, at this time, he mentions these wise ones in that kingdom. The astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. (laughs) Notice they came in and, you know, as they approached the king, verse 9, O king, live forever. And and then he talks about this decree that the king had passed and that if you do not fall down and worship there, then you're going to be thrown in that blazing furnace. And notice what he says, verse 12, there are some Jews. There's anti-Semitism here. There are those that are against the Jewish. And he mentions this here particularly. And he says there are some... and. Verse 12, he mentions them by name. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. I, I remember hearing, uh, oh, it was years ago, one black preacher, man, he got into this passage and he was letting, and he he just got lost in preaching. And he said, these three guys, he's it, no shack, Meshach, and a bad Negro. I'll never forget that. But regardless, you know, you got these three guys here, and he says, they, they pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. And notice that the response to that was this king, he's furious. He loses his temper. Everything in his mind was 
coming in. I deserve the worship. I deserve the attention. That was his heart. And he was angry when he had heard that there were those who refused to bow down. And so he went. He summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 13. These men were brought before him. (laughs) Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Hey guys, is it true? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? In other words, one more chance. I want to hear it right from you. Are you refusing to bow before this statue of me? And you've heard the music. Are you ready to fall down and are you ready to worship? Things will be very good if you do. (laughs) But then he says, but if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand. You know, we've heard this so many times. We know the end result. But I just want you to go back and imagine yourself being one of these three guys. They don't know the end of the story right now as they stand before the king. And he gives them the options. Bow down. Or go into this fiery furnace. Look at their answer. Wow. These guys are my heroes. (laughs) As he answered uh, verse 17. He says. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace. The God we serve. Is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us. From your hand O king. But even if he does not. We want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. You know, I love it. He doesn't say, our God is all powerful. He's going to snuff out that furnace. Man, nothing's going to happen to us, king. You're nothing compared to God. It's none of that. He says, look, God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't save us. Isn't that hard to swallow? God, I'm going through this painful trial right now. And you're able to deliver me. But if you don't, God, you're still God. Boy, those are tough words. Why? Because I want God to take away the pain. I like comfort. I like convenience. I don't like the suffering that's associated with it. Then he goes on here. uh, Verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar, he was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, <laughs> and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. Seven times hotter than hot. We're talking hot. <laughs> and he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent, the furnace so hot, the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. It was so hot, the guys who carried them to the furnace to throw them burned up. They ended up in the furnace. But let's see what happens next. (laughs) Then the king leaped. To his feet in amazement. And he asked his advisors. Weren't there three men we tied up? Threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look. I see four men walking around in the fire. Unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. 
presence. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come here. Now, we've heard this, and it's an amazing account. And their faith, like I said, they didn't command God to take away the furnace. They simply stated, if God wants to deliver me from the furnace, he can do it. If that's his will. If not, I'm still going to serve him, king. If not, he's still going to be the one I worship. Not this golden image. God, you are my God. That is, that is what they're saying. But I just want to look at some quick lessons here. Um, as we go through this. The scripture here, the lessons that are relevant. First, God is sovereign whether the result is triumph or tragedy. Boy, as soon as we are fully aware of God's deliverance, we want to shout it from the mountaintop, don't we? And I'm not saying that's bad, it's good. But when the pain's there, what we tend to want to do is just kind of sit in a corner and not let anybody know how bad we're hurting. But these guys said, God, I'm going to praise you regardless. I mean, obviously they would prefer his immediate deliverance. But God, I'm, I'm going to praise you regardless of the results of what happens. You know, as it says in Romans eight twenty eight, All things God works for good. Not that all things are good. But in the difficulty, God is at work. And, and, and man, he works through the fire as well as in the hot tub. Whether it's comfort or, or whether it's pain, he is at work. It, God is wonderful even when we don't get a warm fuzzy. And sometimes there is the fiery furnace. Like Job said, remember in Job 1 verse 7, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Even when we don't understand, God is worthy of our praise. Right? Okay, second point here. Suffering is necessary whether it seems fair or unfair. We often hear, well, I'm not going to worship God because He's not fair. Whether we think He's fair or whether we think He's unfair, suffering has a purpose. I can't give you the exact answer. I wish I could. I have more questions than I do answers many times. <sighs> but praise be to God that He is faithful regardless of how much I understand. I want to point out a couple of verses here through here. Uh, verse 21 says, These men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. Verse 23, These three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. Verse 24, King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement, asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? In verse 25, he said, look, I see four men walking around the fire, unbound and unharmed. Now, you know, usually when we hear this section of Scripture preached, the next part of the verse is what we emphasize. Look, I see a fourth, and he looks... Like a son of God. And that is powerful, obviously, that there is a deliverer in there, God himself, who has come and he set him free. But a point that is often overlooked 
four times here. It talks about how these men were bound. They were tied up. They were restricted. They couldn't get away. They were trapped. They couldn't escape. They were thrown into the fire. And praise be to God. Man, it didn't even singe a hair on their head. They didn't even have the smell of charcoal. I mean, they were untouched by the fire, by the flames, because of God's divine protection from the fire. But here's the thing. There was only one thing that burned away. What bound them. Remember, they were tied up. But that which bound them was burned away. And they were free. As it said there in verse 25. (laughs) I see four men walking around the fire. Unbound and unharmed. Through suffering. That which keeps us from a clear view of God. That which keeps us from a deeper deeper walk with a heavenly one. He burns away. There is something that happens through suffering that brings us closer to him. I can't fully explain it and articulate it. But I've seen some of the sweetest people are the ones who have gone through pain. Deep pain. And God has brought something precious through that pain. He's unbound them. And giving them a closer walk. Many of us uh, have sung that great hymn, How Firm a Foundation. Listen, this is the fourth verse. Sounds like the fiery furnace and and, uh, Daniel's friends. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design. Thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. See the first section of scripture that we looked at in, uh, after our reading in 1 Peter chapter 1. Verse 7, it talks about refined by fire. Gives that picture in a furnace where there is a precious metal. And in order to get the most purest form of the metal it has to go through the fire through the extreme heat and the impurities rise to the top and they're taken out of the metal that sledge is removed or sludge is removed and what remains is the purest form of the metal and that's God's work through suffering he through the heat through the fire he's removing the impurities he's unbinding us so that we might have a closer walk with him. And it's that other guy that walked with him. That leads us and guides us. And his name is Jesus Christ. The son of God. Who leads and guides us. Uh, next. Deliverance is impressive. Whether seen by the godly or the godless. Hey we're watched by both. We're good or bad sermons either way. But people. Have opportunity to see what God wants to do for his people. Look at verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar said. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command. And were willing to give up their lives. Rather than serve or worship any God. Except their own God. The king said, 
Blessed be the God. Not these men, but God. You see, when we are living for God in the power of the Holy Spirit, man, they don't see us. They see the God that has changed and transformed us. They see that the hope is far beyond me. It's in Him. That that is what the king saw. He didn't give praise to the three men, but to their God who delivered them. That's what it's about. That people might see the deliverance God's brought in my life. And in your life. That, that is what is key. But going through the, the furnace, let's face it, as I often like to say, nobody wants to volunteer for that. God, I... I kid you guys all the time. I tell you, I'm allergic to pain. I kind of joke, but I don't. I don't like to hurt. I don't know anybody who does. Listen to this piece from A.W. Tozer. I've actually been, uh, this year, my devotional um, that I've been reading is excerpts from A.W. Tozer's books. Last year I did C.S. Lewis, and it's been a blessing, but this is from one of his books, and this is called The Hammer and the Nail and the File. And he's talking about a man, Rutherford, who went through extreme suffering. But listen to his words. The hammer is a useful tool, but the nail, if it had feeling and intelligence, could present another side of the story. For the nail knows the hammer only as an opponent, brutal, merciless enemy who lives to pound it into submission, (laughs) to beat it down out of sight and clinch it into place. That is the nail's view of the hammer, And it's accurate except for one thing. The nail forgets that both it and the hammer are servants of the same workman. Let the nail but remember the hammer is held by the workman and all resentment toward it will disappear. The carpenter decides whose head will be beaten next and what hammer shall be used in the beating. That is his sovereign right. When the nail has surrendered to the will of the workman, and has gotten a little glimpse of his benign plans for its future, it will yield to the hammer without complaint. The file is more painful still, for its business is to bite into the soft metal, scraping and eating away the edges till it shaped the metal to its will. Yet the file has in truth no real will in the matter, but serves another master as the metal also does. It is the master and not the file that decides how much shall be eaten away, what shape the metal will take, and how long the painful filing shall continue. Let the metal accept the will of the master, and it will not try to dictate when or how it shall be filed. As for the furnace, it's the worst of all. Ruthless, savage, it leaps at every combustible thing that enters it, enters it and never relaxes its fury till it's reduced all to shapeless ashes. All that refuses to burn is melted to a mass of helpless matter without will or purpose of its own. When everything's melted that will melt and all is burned that will burn, then and not till then, the furnace calms down and rests from its destructive fury. With all this known to him, how could Rutherford find it in his heart to praise God for the hammer, the file, and the furnace? The answer is simply that he loved the master of the hammer. He adored the workman who wielded the file. He worshiped the Lord who heated the furnace for the everlasting blessing, everlasting blessing of his children. There may be one here who feels resentment, feels like the nail being pounded by the hammer and just needs to be reminded that there's a workman behind the hammer. 
there's a master carpenter at work. He has a plan. And he simply says, trust me. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for this account of these three faithful men. Thank you, Father, that whichever furnace we find ourselves in, you're there. And you have a plan, Lord. May we realize you're sovereign. May we realize, oh God, that you have a work through the furnace that we may not understand, but it's very real. And that it is a miracle when you do that work that speaks to those around us as you work in us. So, Father, I just ask that you just work among us, Lord. You know where we are. We have to do business with you one person at a time. So I pray you do that, Holy Spirit. Look in me. Look at those around me. And may we hear your voice and respond, whether it's to come to an altar to pray or to do business right where we are with you or to come pray at the front and share with your people. Father, what are you doing in us, Lord, that you may be glorified? This world needs you, and we need to be open to what you're doing that they might hear. So just do your work, Lord. We love you, and we Expect you, Father, to speak to us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.